Hello and welcome to another episode of We Have Such Films to Show You. This is episode 55. Uh, we're doing a 2011 Canadian found footage film, Grave Encounters. Uh, and we have a special guest today. I, of course, as always, am Josh Millard. And I'm the special guest, Jakob. No, I'm, I'm not the special guest. I'm the co-host. Yeah, that's that's you're the boring the normal co-host. co-host we yeah. have as, as as our special guest today, uh, Twitterer and and and, and, and <laughs> podcaster and and writer in other places, uh, Whitney Reynolds. Hey, hey, hello. Whitney. Thank you for having me on. Thanks yeah, so much for being on. Yeah, we we really appreciate it. Um, and you were the one who who uh, who picked this movie. Do you want to tell us a little bit about like why why you picked it, or you know, uh, just just the the story of how I first came to watch Grave Encounters is uh, I, I I'm a big horror movie fan. I love horror movies and I love horror video games, and I, I used to watch them very regularly when I had a roommate. Uh, but then the last year you know, we lived together, she was always at her at her boyfriend's house, so she was never around, and I never felt brave enough to watch a horror movie when I was alone in the apartment. <laughs> and then I actually moved into an apartment by myself, so it was another year of just not being brave enough. And then I was like, okay, no, I'm going to do it. Tonight's the night. I'm going to watch a horror movie all by myself in my dark apartment. And I did, and it was Grave Encounters, and it was basically one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> That's a- so that went very well. <laughs> That is a that is a good choice for for the podcast. And yeah, this movie scared the crap out of me. I gotta I, I gotta say I, I'm I'm excited about the fact that you were both scared by the film because uh, both for more procedural cynical I have gotten uh, desensitized to horror film reasons and also just the specific circumstances in which I watched this. I was at no point on the edge of my seat. And I'll talk a little bit more about like the details there. But usually it seems like a lot of the times when we do a show, like if there's a question of a film being like scary and not just like horror interesting it's kind of mostly Yakov is the one who was freaked out and I'm the one who's like yeah well I guess you see what it is and it, it always feels a little bit like you know so I, I'm glad it's like two on one in this context because that may bring a little bit more legitimacy to the idea of horror movies as scary movies than we usually achieve when we're discussing them on the show <laughs> and it's, it's so it's so subjective anything that that you know scares you versus well yeah doesn't. absolutely yeah and I, I so I, I'm never I'm never mad if somebody is not scared by a thing yeah that and, and for me, me it's definitely myself. it's definitely not a oh well pff, that wasn't a scary thing it's more like literally for whatever reason I think partly because like you know I like horror movies because in part because they're scary you know I discovered at an early age that yeah you know, oh yeah scary movie that's an exciting thing to watch and I've just watched a lot of them and I think as a kid I sort of built up like a oh, well, I'm not going to be scared by this defense mechanism. I'd sort of rationalize my way through it so I could still enjoy watching the movie instead of just being scared and having to turn it off or whatever. And I just you know, lied to myself for enough years that I got really good at sort of analyzing in real time the, the sort of content and the aesthetics and whatnot. And eventually, I think that just kind of fucking stuck. So now it's really hard for me to get out of that like hyper-analytic defense mechanism and actually like get sucked in. It still happens now and then, but... Uh, but yeah, I've like I've broken myself a little bit for horror movies in a way that's actually disappointing a lot of the time. I I mean I I I have a similar sort of thing where it's now like you know it's like watching a magic show and now like when you know what misdirection is now you're not looking at the show but you're looking for the misdirection so you could see yeah. where the misdirected thing is going to be coming from. And um, I mean I kind of felt that with this movie a bit, but also there was just like a lot of the like building up stuff and a lot of the like, uh oh, we're lost stuff was like genuinely scary to me. And I also watched this movie in like slightly different circumstances. My wife doesn't usually like watch the movies with me, but this time she wanted to. 
Um, but she sort of was just sort of like half watching it, like everyone else. Every few minutes, she'd peek up. She'd be like, "Is anybody dead yet?" Um, and then you know, eventually they started dying. So the answer was yes. Um, but yeah, so that that sort of took a little bit of the edge off. But like, I was definitely like, you know, watching this with the same kind of. Uh, sort of, like, gut fear that I had when watching, like, you know, Blair Witch or, or, or Paranormal yeah. Activities. For some reason, like, found footage, like, low-ish budget ghost movies are the ones we've done that have scared me the most. Yeah. Speaking of, of when you are, like, aware of the, the misdirection, I've had the experience where I've watched a movie, this was Paranormal Activity in particular, where I was like, I see what this is doing. I know, th- I see what you're doing to me. And then in the end, I was still scared and yeah. I really resented it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm smarter than this. I thought my way around this. I was like, this is stupid, and I hate it. And then that night, I'm going, <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, I, I still get that every once in a while, and I really like it when I do, basically. Like, when I saw, uh, me and Yak have talked about this a little bit previously, but uh, when I saw the American version of The Ring, um, I like I, I watched it, I was like, this is a good movie, I'm really enjoying this. You know, went and saw it with my older sister, and like, we, we, we both enjoyed it. And uh, but like you know, I was like firmly into like yeah, but that was really interesting. That was a good horror film. Yeah, I really, I really intellectually appreciated the experience I just had. And then like later that night, I was for random summer job logistical reasons standing around as the sun went down in an unfamiliar neighborhood, waiting for someone to pick me up. And uh, I was like, uh, <laughs> there's no you got, the, was, you got the heavily there, Yeah, there was no suburban neighborhood scene in the ring. But at the same time, like, <laughs> well, what if? What if there's a creepy Japanese girl crawling out of a well in in a backyard nearby? Maybe that's happening. So, yeah, no, it's it's it is one of the things that I really like about horror films, and and I don't think I've like lost it completely, but it it does get harder to chase down. Uh, but my circumstances watching this was I watched this the other night uh, uh, with my wife, who often will watch uh, a movie with me for this, uh, and then also with uh, my friend Melissa who she and her husband have been staying with us for about a month because they got caught between an eviction notice and closing on their new house. Uh, so we put them up, and that's been you know nice. But uh, but so we're sitting around, and yesterday we were moving. Like, we we finally organized a big move. They were able to, like, got enough stuff done in the new house that they could move stuff in. So the night before, we're sitting around. We know we're going to do a big move tomorrow. It's sort of like everybody's a little bit, like, you know, nervy and stoked and wired and... So we're sitting around and watching a movie and having a super goofy time. And we probably – this is an hour and a half film. We probably spent two and a half hours watching it because there was so much pausing <laughs> to take care of little logistical things and discuss stuff and random chatter. So, like, there was there was absolutely no way the mood was going to be maintained for yeah. it in the first place. So it's like this was, like, as far opposite from sitting alone in your apartment watching a horror movie at night as it could have been tonally. <laughs> Uh, I watched it. I watched it again on Friday since uh, I, the first time I saw it was a couple years ago, and then I watched it again last night over uh, uh, online. You know, I have a group of uh, of friends who are all big horror movie fans, and we you know watch movies together online with various nice. chat. So I and then you know we all examined it. So I want to thank uh, Ariel, Whitney, and Ashley for any extra discussion that I got. In, yes. in yeah, yeah, I, I will totally fail to remember and thus correctly attribute uh, comments from my wife and from my friend Melissa on this, so I'm just saying that up front uh, <laughs> to acknowledge that fact. Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, I thought this I thought this was interesting. I, uh, I, I really like found footage. 
uh, as a genre, I don't think it's necessarily always very good. In fact, I think it's often not very good. But I think it's <laughs> it's, it's so a genre cheap to that, make that, like, I think you know there was like a, a a a big like burst of them after Blair Witch, and then another second big burst of them after. Yeah. Uh, after paranormal activity, and now it's just like you know a a, a established subgenre. So there's always you know stuff coming and going and found footage. Yeah, but yeah. There like, was like two periods when there was just like a lot of like abysmal found footage stuff coming yeah. out all at once. Well, and like you say, it's cheap, and that's that's I think I think that's part of why I like it. Well, there, there's there's two main reasons I think I like it. One is that. It's cheap enough to make, like, conceptually, it's simple enough filmmaking that people can still do a decent job even with a shitty low-budget one. And that's kind of nice. Like, you can really do a bad job of a slasher film if you don't happen to have a whiz kid effects guy who just happens to want to work on your film for free while being a budding genius. Like, it's really easy to not even accomplish basic practical effects for, like, a slasher film. But if you're doing found footage, like... There's a relatively limited amount of effects work you even need to do as long as you know how to, like, pace and direct some fairly simple shots on necessarily inexpensive cameras. Yeah, and even with that, I think they – a couple of times in this movie they overreached. Oh, probably, yeah. With the the effects stuff. I think they're – I I thought a lot of the – well, this is my opinion is – in, in things like this, and in, in, when it's a supernatural horror, the less you see of, of spooky ghosts, the better. Right. So yeah. for me, like points when I, for me, the uh, the scarier parts of the movie, the part that like got got into my skin, it was just you know the the psychological aspect of it of being you know trapped in this place with with changing uh, interior architecture and uh, and things like that. It it, it hit that. Um, <clears throat> uh, any you fellows ever read The House of Leaves? Yes, yes. I, I, the one of the things I wrote down was like Navidson report. Uh, yeah, no, it's- <laughs> yeah, and, and that's and that's something that that absolutely freaks me out hardcore is when is just having an unreliable interior map of things. So the more of that, that is good. But you know, seeing a. A spooky ghost on the on the ceiling. <laughs> I'm like oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's really interesting because the things that worked about this film seemed like the stuff that wasn't what they spent their money on, and and that's yeah. the thing. This I, I looked it up. This is like two million dollar film. Like this was not even like. Oh, wait, are you sure? Because the thing that I'm uh, and, reading says the budget was a hundred thousand Canadian. Maybe maybe I saw the wrong thing. That makes more sense because I really thought I saw like two million production budget. Maybe maybe that's rolling in after the fact marketing if they tried to boost it up once it got some attention or something. Oh yeah, I, yeah, say, yeah. I love so, I love the moments when when the when you can tell it's a Canadian production. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a moment where someone's going sorry sorry and I'm like it's oh, a lot oh, of yay. sorry yeah. <laughs> what was that a boot? Um, a boat? Uh, yeah. Canadian yeah. jokes. We're gonna make them. Uh, yeah, I don't know where I. I uh, hopefully, I just misread the two million because it doesn't, it doesn't look. No, like you know million. what? I, I so IMDb says it's a hundred thousand, and uh, what do you call it? Wikipedia says it's two million. Maybe, maybe it is sort of like the rolling in the budget for marketing after they realized maybe they had an indie hit sort of situation. And the IMDb uh, yeah, they one had is like estimated. a Tribeca thing on it. So yeah, I wonder. <laughs> but yeah, yeah no. Because yeah, the 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 like the, the their main like go to scary effect was like the the face photoshopping into yeah. the scary face, and I don't know, yeah, that was not like 
I, the, the part where they like open a door instead of there being outside, there's just more hallway was, you know, ten times as scary as like a face turning into a somewhat scarier face. Well, you know, and if it had been the first film that did that particular face effect, you know, it would have been much more exciting. But like, that's all, that's, that's a familiar, like, oh, I wonder if their, you know, jaw is going to loom open. Oh, right, look, their jaw's looming yeah, open. Yeah. And you know, the, like, the other problem is that if you like Google Grave Encounters, like, I, I didn't even watch, the, I, I just stopped <laughs> watching trailers for movies because they, horror movie trailers ruin everything but like oh, yeah, I, I don't want trailers at all anymore yeah that's i i i yeah and, and anything that has any semblance of plot in it I, I i stopped watching trailers for like maybe i'll watch a teaser or something but that's about it yeah, unless i'm actually in the movie theater and oh yeah then you i just cover my eyes <laughs> But yeah, if you Google Grave Encounters, it's all of like the, you know, like scary, yelly, you know, uh, yeah, screaming scenes. Yeah, which is like um, a tiny chunk of the film. Like total yeah. runtime of the scary faces is maybe a minute. Yeah. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's the image you get. Yeah, I noticed the same thing when I Googled it. And it's like, yeah, it's that's... It's not really what well. It's hard. To, it's hard film. to sell. I opened up a door and it wasn't what I expected. <laughs> Any temporality, people. Oh my god. Yeah. But yeah, it's no. hard. To, it's hard to sell. Oh, time has gone weird. Yeah, but it's interesting. I've, that's one thing I Maybe really there's like. Maybe so, like there, there's like an OSHA specific trailer cut where they get to that part with the uh, where there's supposed to be a fire exit and there's no fire exit. <laughs> no. <laughs> to, to speak of uh, one thing, I really like. Um, in that scene, it's about halfway through the movie where they open what's supposed to be the front door, and you know, they're like, "Okay, screw this place. We're getting out of here." Break open the front door, and that's when they discover that um, you know the, the outside is not not there. It's just more crazy asylum. Is that when uh, I really like the fact that they do a lot of this, and that's where the the camera is just you know set on the floor, so you're just seeing people's feet and you know hearing them react instead of immediately going oh here's this thing that's happened so there's that extra build and they do that a lot in this movie and it's yeah. really good yeah no it's a pretty effective thing they do that with the bathtub uh, murder oh the scene bathtub too. scene is the best part of the movie the uh wait the the the, the one at the end where uh, he gets eaten yeah yeah where he yeah. and then and you see you know the camera is on its side and there's just the, that rush of blood and screaming and and then he's gone yep so good no it's one of the okay so so what I found really interesting about this film uh, to watch, and this is sort of where I am with the found footage at this point because I feel like I've watched enough of them now that like there's some really strongly established notes of what is, you know, generally pretty, if not unique, at least very dominant aesthetically in found footage versus other genres. Um, and you know, you you have these use of uh, obviously the lo-fi cameras and the somewhat improvised, sometimes feeling performance aspect of it, but also. You know, the night vision stuff, static shots, uh, weird camera angles, time stamps. You know, there's there's all these things that if you, if you look at, across a bunch of stuff, especially the more recent 10 years or so, you know, there's these really, really common themes. And so every time I end up watching one, I end up sort of like looking, okay, but what did they come up with this time? You know, because I'm not mm – -hmm. I'm not really watching these for the story. The story is generally people disbelieve something terrible is happening until something terrible happens and then everybody's dead. Everybody dies. Yeah. Yay. It's like it's not a it's not a it's not a bold plot uh, to pitch exactly. But like, you know, how do they play with the idea like how do they explore the ideas that are sort of like the new bits of this genre, the stuff that this genre is actually doing. And that that's one of the things I liked about a couple things in this movie. Like they did good stuff with the cameras um, some of those, yeah, floor shots were nice. I feel like they did a good job with those. I really liked that they brought in the timestamps and then did something with that because that that yeah, feels like yeah. like as soon as like the first time it was like forty six hours and change on a camera. I was like, <laughs> I mean, obviously the the temporal gig was 
sort of jig was already up at that point, but like something about 46 hours on the timestamp just made me like, yes, they really, really stopped. And, and there's a point at the very it. end where the timestamp is just all, yeah. all wiggly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's just completely wrong. The, the so, city compass. But here's the thing, uh, the thing about page. the 46 hours. They were actually – like, I mean, the, their subjective time was that they were in there for like a couple of days from what I can tell, yeah. right? Yeah. So the 46 yeah. hours was, was accurate. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that that it's it's interesting to me how effective that was in sort of selling the weird temporal fuckedness of the whole situation. Because I mean, obviously, as soon as they're like, "Well, my watch says, you know, that's the, uh, you know, that's happening," and you know, we know that's up, but something about the timestamp as this super duper uh, neutral, like non-participant, it's just literally the camera counting like off time. <laughs> yeah, it, so it, it just it, it adds something to it. Uh, for me that I thought was really effective. And it felt like that felt like a very like genre aware move by uh, the filmmakers to say, okay, timestamps are an aesthetic component of these films. Yeah. What can we do? The with filmmakers who have quite a good, quite a good, uh, <laughs> or the vicious brothers. Yes. <laughs> this was their first movie, right? Yes. Yeah. Have, I, I don't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't followed their work. Yes. And that, well, Grave Encounters 2 was their second movie. And then their third movie, one of them, a, a vicious brother worked on a movie called Extraterrestrial, I think. I and, am uh, genuinely surprised. So Grave Encounters 2 apparently was much more poorly critically received and made much, much more money. Like uh, Grave Encounters 2 made like close to $7 million over its budget as opposed to like the two-ish million dollars over the budget that this one made. And they used the same plot as Blair Witch Project 2 for Grave Encounters 2, which is that like a bunch of super fans of the first movie go out to find the real story and then it turns out that it's real. <laughs> See, I was uh, – yeah. I, I, I had thoughts about uh, – and stop me if I've pitched this before, but what about like a, a sort of fractal, it's real, but it's fake series? Because one of the things I liked about this movie was the plot device they used. I liked the idea that they were actually a bunch of cynical cable TV also rans making I, a shitty show. That's the thing. I like that they were cynical, but there's like this brief moment like in the beginning where um, – what's his name? Main guy, Logan? Lance. 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 Yeah, Lance uh, is just like, hey, you know, hey, if we capture some actual ghosts, then that'll be even better. I like the fact that he's just like sort of passively open to the idea I that felt- this place may in fact be haunted. See, I read, I read that as him sort of kind of humoring Sasha, who it sounded like maybe was actually considering the possibility that they found ghosts. So my take was she was sort of like maybe the true believer in the group that she actually kind of thought maybe ghosts were real and maybe the show was actually going to find some, whereas Lance was like, ghosts are obviously not real but i'm making a tv show and so he was like oh yeah and hey you know if we yeah if we find some ghosts it'll be you know bonus but either way we gotta make an episode this is a, a thing i loved in the very intro where you have the very serious man telling you this is very real this is not a movie um which i always love uh it's, it's you know it talks about maybe he's, it was you know fake but once that guy was oh, oh my god oh, it's well, real yes. Uh, is he says we got these tapes and you know this was the, he he my friend Ariel pointed this out is he he's he's like this is this is before they started doing ghost shows this was the first one and I'm like this is the first one and it never aired yet it has the same edited intro that looks like all other ghost shows which I've never actually watched any of those uh, ghost shows because they're I, obviously dumb I, I've been I've in a motel once or twice and I don't think I got through an episode but. I really like the episode of Supernatural where they go on the ghost show. <laughs> the ghost facers. <laughs> yeah, the ghost facers. <laughs> Staying in the kitchen when the kitchen gets hot. <laughs> <laughs>
I really need to sit down and watch like 10 particularly good episodes from the run of Supernatural and not pretend to try and watch it as a series again. There are just... at least 10 good episodes, but you yeah. can also just go into the middle of any season and start watching and you'll be caught up like within three or four episodes. Well, I'm not even watch watch the one with the racist week. truck. What? Watch the one with the racist truck. Oh, I didn't. I don't think I saw the one with the racist. Oh truck. boy, See, that sounds the like truck an is racist. Yeah, it's a haunted truck, and it it, it hates black people. It's uh, doozy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, so yes. Okay. So so here here here's my pitch for a, a series. If someone decides to make a Grave Encounters meets Inception uh, uh, TV show, uh, this first. Sh- the, 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 this first film was about how people making a fake TV show about ghosts and finding real ghosts and dying as a result, right? So mm-hmm. ignoring whatever they actually did with Grave Encounters 2, Grave Encounters 2 or maybe episode 2 of the TV show uh, is about how the original Grave Encounters was in fact just a fake movie about a fake TV show finding real ghosts. But 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 this one, Grave Encounters Two, this is this is a real movie about the making of that fake movie. Except in the process of documenting the making of that fake movie, we find out ghosts are really real and everybody dies. Grave Encounters Three is about how Grave Encounters Two was actually just a fake movie about finding out that a fake show about a fake movie was real. But this was just this is just about how they made that. But then and just keep going like like a fish. But then that one has vampires. Exactly. Yes. Just like like, like throwing a twist every time, but every time it's fake. And then eventually, like the seventh film is literally just like ninety minutes of archival footage, and then five minutes of well, this was a heck of a job to edit. Oh God, Dracula! And then it gets eaten. In and then it credits. zooms out, and then there's just a bunch of werewolves in a theater watching it, being like, eh. "This is the dumbest." Yeah, I just I like the, the idea, but it just better. didn't work for me. Yeah. So I th- I thought that there was two scenes in this that were either like homages or something to two scenes from VHS, but it turns out this came out before VHS, which means yeah, VHS the- was like 2012, 2013, right? What VHS was 2012 and this was 2011. Yeah. Okay. So, but like, yeah, the uh, the scene where like the the hands start coming out of all the walls. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was in one of the VHS segments. Um, yeah, that made me also think of VHS, and I, I noted that down in my notes as arms. Yeah. <laughs> it made me think of a uh, labyrinth. Uh, actually, oh, yeah. of all things, like obviously, completely tonally different treatment of hands coming out of walls, but. Uh, I guess just with Bowie dying, it was like in my in, in my brain. Uh, the do you remember hands the- in, in Labyrinth always gave me the the willies. Yeah, so it's fair. But yeah, no, that is yeah. interesting that it's like the other way around there. I mean, I, I imagine there's been arms out of walls in other horror movies too. So if yeah, you know, go all the way down. But yeah, that that definitely does seem like the. Relevant. I mean, the thing where like the arm comes out of like the tiny window. I I think that was like a a overt Friday the Thirteenth homage. That, that uh, must have nightmare, been, right? nightmare, 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 nightmare. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, no, that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought of that as well. And also uh, the um when the camera like a few times, not consistently, which bugged me, and not like in an aesthetically pleasing way, which also bugged me. But the camera would glitch out when supernatural stuff started to happen. Uh, which also yeah, happened in, that in one segment uh, from Saturday the 14th or whatever that one was. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, uh, but yeah, but they, they they didn't do it like consistently, and they always just had like that weird like half finished you know Arkanoid level thing come up on the screen uh, <laughs> yep. whenever there was a glitch. But yeah, I like that. I mean, when they did that for the window, there's there's this window on the top floor which the caretaker says that he would close every night, then he would come in and it was open. And I thought that they would like do like you know like a window slamming open while everybody was up there sort of thing, but instead they just uh, cut in footage of like the empty room where they set up a static camera and then the camera just sort of glitches a little bit where you can still see everything on the screen and then when it when it goes back to normal the window is open and like the glitch sort of covered it up and it's sort of slowly swinging and I thought that was really effective I, I liked that a lot I think it was better than having it like slam open when they were all up there or something yeah there was also one of the one of the second round of uh, developed photographs they inserted uh, where there were actually ghosts starting to be in the photographs. There was oh, a yeah, shot yeah. of a, a, a smeary There's ghost orbs. with a hand there on the window. A, a uh, hand on the window? Yeah, and I think that might have been the same window. I mean, I'm not sure, but I sort of vibed to that window. Yeah, um, I, 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 I like those. That, that was a really good... Uh... I mean, it was done in a sort of a cheesy way where you hear the camera click and you see the photo, but yeah. like I, it, it was effective in, in, in what it did. Like, it... I, I didn't. I, I did yeah, not. Yeah, communicated like, the idea. It, it felt a little bit silly, but you know they. they... Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you, you you sort of have to buy into the movie for something like that to work. So I, I think the movie did a good enough job of like you know selling me on the concept for me to not be like, oh well, you know, every single one of those I've seen is doctored, but these aren't. Well, but, here's you know, the... here's here's the thing I want to talk about, like uh, with the format of this film, and this is something we've talked about a couple times before with found footage as well there's always the question of who the editor is for the final product and this one <laughs> sort of takes the fa- framing device that okay well this is just footage you know we captured everything remotely so everything ended up safely on a you know remote hard drive that was recovered successfully after everybody apparently died or whatever um we won't explain how that worked but you know it it worked so can okay, we establish that the footage is available so we've solved that recurring problem rather than we found it in the woods 10 years later uh, but they've also established that, like, you know, this is for a cable TV show, and so they probably had the sense to do pre-production and get some of their B-roll and editing done on the fly, you know, to some extent in preparation for episodes because they probably got a, you know, Yeah, like, schedule. they definitely, like, sent TC out specifically to shoot B-roll at some point, yeah. which is when that door slams on them. Yeah, so there's there's stuff like that that sort of explains some of the footage, but there's there's still, for something that was literally, according to the film, only edited for time – there's a certain amount of production and those photographs like that's an example of it like someone sat down and said okay but how should we handle the insert on these photographs for this recovered archival footage of people dying you know it's like there's somehow the idea of cheesy cable tv show production creeps in even to a post-mortem of unfinished footage from you know when everybody died you know someone still sat down and said okay but here we'll we'll time some inserts for a nice black and white developed photo you know with a clicky sound you know after each of the photos being taken on this recovered footage of people dying you know it's like there's you, you'd never quite get away from that it's like the idea that like maybe the cable tv productions you know is the actual ghost of the movie that you know managed to overwhelm even the morbidity of the situation to like still assert its will on the you know recovered footage because otherwise that's pretty fucking grim right there. Someone was sitting around was like, oh, yeah, okay, but let's let's try and get this transition right. You know, it's like, once again, there's this mysterious editor who's just not explained in the film. Yeah, um, 
I mean, I, I could, I, I could definitely see like a, a struggling like cable TV ghost show editor being like, "Well, I'm not going to intentionally do a shitty job on this, and they asked me to edit it, so <laughs> here's a finished product. It's you know, it's dark, but I did the thing." Um, yeah, was was it like one of the Hellraiser movies that like inexplicably has like a videotape? of found footage stuff that just quickly goes from being found footage into shot with like a 90s music video aesthetic. I, that was that was the the last extra terrible one cuz there was the that the handheld cam footage of their trip down to Tijuana or whatever it was the two guys. No, 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 uh, wasn't that it was the one with the the the, the girl in Hungary or, oh, or uh, Turkey uh, or wherever she oh, was. Oh, Deader, the one with Carrie Wurrer? Yes. Yeah. That that's the one. Yeah, I think that had the same yeah. Yeah, anyway. somebody like gives her a tape for some reason that's basically just like a nineties music video. Um Yeah, Grave Encounters. Uh I, I wouldn't en- I would enjoy um, well I would enjoy a movie that is about the editor of a found footage. <laughs> that feels like that's that feels like that's gotta be the next step. Yeah, I wanna see that that film. Cause that and that's that's sort of getting into uh, you referenced House of Leaves, and that's sort of getting into that territory. Like, that's that's where this <laughs> yeah. film didn't go. It's like we really have the core, you know, footage of this bizarre trip through a broken space, but we don't have any of the next layer up of Zambrano writing this or of Johnny <laughs> Truant, the next step up from there, going through this, you know, blind shut-ins record of this non-existent documentary. So, yeah, like 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 a film that really said, okay, let's talk about. Instead of talking about found footage, let's talk about editing found footage of the ghost story. I would love to see that. I'd love to see someone come yeah. up with a way to handle ha- that. Have you guys seen the movie Resolution? No. That's a really interesting one that's about uh, guys finding found footage. Interesting. Yeah. We'll have to look this up. <clears throat> yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. It's, it's, and, you know, it's not getting to the point of I edited it together. It's just like guys in a shack and just finding all this weird stuff and watching it and going, uh... Nice. It's, a, it's a solid, solid movie. Sort of the framing of VHS and VHS two, I guess too. Uh, still yeah. VHS not that they get into that in detail. You still haven't watched it. Yeah. Oh, you should watch it sometime. Should. I haven't seen two, but I saw the first one. Two, I liked. Um, it, it, it does a better job of dealing with its framing in a non-super gross way. Is a relief. <laughs> it's like like the people involved aren't really necessarily any better people but the film decides not to bother establishing just how horrible they are so much as it uh spoiler alert presupposes that the stuff in vhs all happened and that there is a cult of people looking for these films so probably probably we're seeing more of the people who are actually in on the we need to find these videotapes thing versus the first one it seems like we saw people who'd been hired by someone who was you know in on that whole trying to find the videotapes thing uh, it doesn't do anything super surprising with the framing, but uh, at least it seems like they paid attention to what happened in their first movie and decided not to do the exact same thing again. So, but like, yeah, no, no, bringing I would up uh, uh, bringing up framing, I, I would just like to talk about how in Grave Encounters the ending is so dumb, <laughs> and I'm, I'm honestly grateful dumb, yeah. for it because I was so scared at that point when I was watching it the first time. It was just like this relief. It was just you know it was like a cool cloth on my head. It was like oh oh then it got really stupid. <laughs> Because it, it, it hit the thing that's like don't explain it. There's no need. There's no need, and they they set it up at points throughout 
the movie about is like, oh, there were some doctors doing lobotomy experiments, and for some reason we're going to see like an altar full of runes. What? Yeah, yeah, book full of <laughs> runes like, with this? like That's parody stupid. text. Apparently, if you transliterate it, someone did the. Effort. And it's just like, oh, it's like, oh, thank God, this got dumb, and yeah. <laughs> and now I'm not as scared. Yeah, a skull and, and an elaborate like chalk drawing on the floor. And, in my in my opinion, the movie should have ended. It should have just been right to black after Lance is eating the rat and laughing and just end the movie there i thought yeah. even just, that was a bit much because i mean for one thing it quit it like really it, it obviously goes from like real rat to like the moment that the thing hits it like a fake plastic rat with a bunch of meat in it yeah um <laughs> no i think it, 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 they, it, if they had basically cut because I, I agree with the general sentiment there i think it would have been a stronger scary finish if they had basically that moment where he's waiting to hit the rat and you you sort of put it together that he's He's starving and he is going to kill and eat, uh, you know, fresh rat. And if they just cut it basically when he hit the rat and then grabbed it hungrily and just left it there, like that would have been, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. effective. Because at the point yeah, you've got, I mean, the, you don't, you don't even need the like, you know, laugh crying, whatever yeah, he's doing. Yeah, just, you, just end it there. Exactly. Because at that point you've gone from this guy is so totally obviously fucked to, oh god, what if this guy actually managed to hang on? For who Ooh, knows how long, you know, because at that point you've got sort of like, you know, a, a ghoul, you know, down in the bowels of this horrible haunted, you know, labyrinth. And, you know, the idea that he could persist and actually find a way to survive even longer is creepy in its own right. Uh, but like you say, then it gets super fucking goofy because like he, he wakes up and he finds this door that wasn't there before and he goes through and there's the old lobotomy lab in the basement and he sees the, yeah, the skull and the altar with the runes and then he looks it, over. It and definitely like, felt like that moment from like a 90s adventure game where you click on a scary <laughs> door and all of a sudden like things take a turn. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then he turns around and, like, one of the nurses or, like, other doctors is facing him and his face does, like, the, uh, you know, scary face thing, like, completely, like, in camera, in focus. And she's like, that's not the effect you want to show <laughs> let, let's, let, let's let's uh, Let's emphasize how one note this effect is and let's get a real good look. You know, at her, and that's our your movie. Budget. That's yep. how your movie ends. Well done, well uh, done, fellas. And that doctor. So, so yeah, the the lobotomy doctor. Uh, I want to say his name was Friedkin, and yeah. I hope so because, like, because then we've got Friedkin, we've got a Asylum, we've got William Friedkin, author of uh, The Exorcist, and uh, oh. I believe director. I think they even let him direct Exorcist Three, uh, which you know, a mental asylum, and you've even got someone suddenly running across a static shot at one point in the film, like the guy with the scissors and Exorcist 3, and it all comes together. Um, <laughs> but maybe it was maybe it's a different name. I don't know. Let's assume it was Friedkin. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I as far as just, like, the ending goes, I think if, like, they had just run credits after the mists came and, like, the mists just took both of them and then just credits, I, I, I think it would have, you know, you wouldn't have needed the stuff afterward even. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not. I'm not crazy been... about the mists. Period. Oh, I, I, I'm. I, I played a very, very long D and D campaign that took place over the course of years, uh, where mists came and swallowed everybody up and took them to Ravenloft. So I'm just assuming I was about that to say, they. Was it Ravenloft? Yep. 
<laughs> so I, 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 I just assume that they were, you know, both taken to Ravenloft to have adventures. It's like, oh, we're getting we, Count Strahd all over the place. We should, we should say for the benefit of anybody who hasn't actually watched the film yet, and I think this is one that's worth watching. It's not like, oh my god, you have to see this. It's, but it's free definitely on worth Amazon watching. Prime. Exactly. So if you so have if you that, know, you know, and you just, want to watch a scary movie. It's an hour and a half. Sit down and watch it. Uh, but, yeah. but at the very end, if you haven't yet. At the very end, he's a, he's attacked by the ghost of the lobotomy doctor, Doctor Friedkin, and blah blah blah. But then the actual like the last little bit of the, sh- the 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 film is actually the camera is back on and it's pointed at his face like he's laying on the and he's he, he, so Lance is laying there facing the camera from real nearby. There's blood coming down from his eye as if from uh, some damage from a lobotomy spike going in past the orbit of his eye and he's all chill and semi-catatonic and he's like you know hey they say I'm they say I'm better now so for grave encounters this is Lance saying goodnight you know something like that yeah yeah it was like the show sign off yeah and and, and in this totally <laughs> you know dull stoned obviously you know traumatized voice and it's like it's the dumbest fucking thing but also <laughs> it's like it's so wonderful that they said let's let's lurch all the fuck way back to the shitty cable TV show framing <laughs> you know and it's it's totally fails to he's be dedicated. scary he's dedicated to his craft <laughs> <laughs> Which I li- which I liked because it uh, in found footage movies there's always kind of the question of why are you still filming? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, it felt like, like that was a big problem for me in Paranormal Activity. I'm like, why yeah. is your girlfriend not throwing all of your cameras in the pool, you asshole? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, that yeah really didn't it really didn't sell itself well in Paranormal Activity. Like compared to Blair Witch, really got away with. The, the the cherry setup as far as that goes with the idea that like you know this is officially you know a bunch of indie documentarians who are really really trying to make their movie and it's still it's weird that they kept filming but at the same time it wasn't weird that they had the instinct to whereas paranormal activity there was like there was no explanation other than your boyfriend is the worst person in the world yeah. like you you should have broken I was not up sad for him to die yeah yeah, I, I I still contend that that is the story of like a woman's imaginary friend chasing away her shithead boyfriend. <laughs> oh, nice. Wasn't um, that the Wasn't that the plot of uh, that movie where that, that was the plot of that? Dropped dead Fred. Yes, I never saw it, so I don't. I saw large chunks of it, and long before I knew <laughs> oh, who Rick Mayall was, um, and I remember nothing. Uh, I liked. Uh, I liked that they seemed aware that that was a problem, but I also feel like they didn't really totally pull it off. Like it was, I, I think that is actually the downside to uh, establishing how sort of like cynical Lance in particular, but kind of everybody was about it. Is like it was so clear that they were not expecting to capture ghost footage that when shit actually started going down, and especially once people started disappearing and dying and shit, I really don't buy that they would have kept filming. Like you know, it's like it. it, it it just wasn't set up in the characters to give a shit. Like at that point, I really think they would have been like, you know, fuck it. No, we can panic and freak out and try and get out, but I'm not going to carry a camera around. <laughs> yeah. I could see that maybe like Lance would be the only one to, yeah. to stick with it. But then that's, you know, this becomes a, then you don't a have first a person video okay. game. The rest yeah. Of the <laughs> yeah. And there were moments that I, that really reminded me of like playing a, a horror First person game when it was like yeah. TC carrying stuff around. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically with, with, with TC, just like sort of, carefully opening things up and shooting them and like grumbling to himself about how much this sucked. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to make an easy comparison to like uh, silent Hill. Cause like we've got asylum stuff and the nonlinearity is real common in that 
in that franchise. Um, but there's also something to be said about the whole sort of found footage aesthetic versus uh, the Resident Evil series, the, the, the early games in that. Uh, because when those when they were first making those games, uh, and this is true to some extent of the original Silent Hill too, or the original the original Silent Hill also, um, <laughs> with, with, with the first three Resident Evil games, there was a the camera was basically always static. It was always like posed in various uh, odd angles all over the mansion and wherever else you were exploring, just because like. Technology-wise, that's what they could pull off. They really couldn't do a fluid 3D, you know, rendering of the the game space as you move through it. So they instead all had all these pre-rendered static, you know, paintings essentially of of all the different camera angles. And so the the static shot stuff that is so common in found footage, uh, especially in this more recent crop, it feels like where they set up a bunch of cameras and then keep coming back to them. Uh, that feels like. It really resonates with that series even more than Silent Hill, even though Silent Hill seems more like the found footage horror film uh, video game franchise uh, that a lot of these things otherwise seem to pull notes from. Um, which is just a random thought. Apparently, I had to. I had to get there. <laughs> yeah, I thought they used that to really good effect in the scene where Houston dies because he's it's you know yeah. set up in a static camera that it's the end of the hallway and then you know he gets strangled by ghosts very very you know far back into the shot so yeah yeah and, and what's interesting at that point camera. um that i i noticed that's on, on third viewing is there's actually a little cut when he's uh being strangled by ghosts so oh, yeah and and it's it's like how do you explain that? Did the editor decide that two seconds, you know, five seconds of that didn't need to be there's in there? A, or did a, did a ghost do it? There's a lot of fine editing. Again, like this mysterious editor really put some work in because like a lot of conversations got shortened in ways that are both effective as sort of like giving the realism of trying to cut down an interview. And also that's, you know, that's that's not just cutting for time. That's cutting for editing. You're really trying to make this scene work and not drag on too long, even though <laughs> you totally don't need to unless you're for some reason aiming for an hour and a half film format instead of yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I, was, I was actually gonna say if you do cut the ending off like you know at any of the points that we were talking about you'd end up with like an 80 minute movie yeah which <laughs> are you even allowed to do that are you allowed to release a movie that short i think oh, you are yeah i mean that's that's on the short end for like Maybe. an actual proper theatrical release but if you're already an indie film then you know who cares uh, Canada. Oh, another way you could tell this was Canada was the like few scenes of casual smoking. I don't think you're you. When's the last time you've seen like an American movie from like 2011 or later that had just casual smoking in it? Yeah, but is <laughs> is it is it like a, a mainstream movie or an indie movie? Because I feel like I've still seen casual smoking in smaller stuff as just sort of almost like an indie cred thing. I would say like like saying <laughs> not bowing to the. Uh, you know, relative too big anti tobacco. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck you. No, I'm still gonna make irresponsible life choices because it's gritty, and also cigarettes are a really cheap prop. Um, <laughs> I the, the the speaking of sort of editing and the filmmaking and whatnot. There's a lot of zoomy shaky cam right out the gate in this. Like, there's mm-hmm. zoomy shaky cam in talking head interviews the initial guy establishing that this is all really real and i'm a film producer so uh there's like a bunch of like zoomy shaky cam in that it's like the most talking heads boring uh static shot you could imagine in any documentary setting and someone's just going to fucking town and getting in on this guy and pulling out and moving around a little bit and it's like it's 
it becomes less obvious later in the film once shit gets like scary and you've got people running around the cameras, but it's there from the total beginning. And it's kind of weird. Like, like there's the idea that, you know, the camera itself is a character in films. And I feel like in this case, like the shitty cameraman is literally a character. Like TC's just like got problems. And then somehow the talking head footage of the guy at the beginning has that same feel to it. Like the ghost of TC is fucking up the production of a talking headshot in the introduction of a documentary found footage revelation about his own death. Like he came back from the grave to make somebody not be able to like hold a camera still in the first two minutes of the film, something like that. TC was definitely my favorite guy. (laughs) (laughs) He was so mad. He was like, Oh God damn it guys. Don't have a ghost push me down the stairs. (laughs) I want to go home to my kid. I don't want to get pushed down the stairs by a ghost. Was there... So there was definitely, like, a magic flashlight in this movie, right? Did I read that scene correctly? Was there? Hmm? Where they were all like, what's that? Because there was, like, a flashlight-type light on the wall? Or were they trying to highlight something on the wall that I missed? I think they were trying to highlight something. Like, maybe they saw something. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I thought there was, like, a about. magic flashlight on the wall. Which makes less sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> much, much less sense. Nope, you're on your own on that one. Sorry. <laughs> I liked when they bribed the the groundskeeper. Oh yeah, it's like yeah, I saw a ghost <laughs> right there. Yeah, so, like, like, oh, like hell kinds of ghosts. <laughs> like that that the sort of setup for the fake o cable stuff was, I think, some of the strongest character stuff they did in the film. Like everything later on is like people being scared, and you know they. They, they they did an okay job with that stuff, but as something that was new, as something that was not in every found footage film I've watched, the degree to which they went to establish that they were making a shitty cable TV show, uh, I, think, I liked that a lot. Yeah, I think there was like – you definitely got the sense that there was like a like a deeper friendship between Lance and, and Sasha than between anybody else there. And like a, a a like you know a a also like a established like working relationship between Lance and um, Houston. Houston, yeah, Houston, yeah. I did. And this is a movie where you actually like remember character names. Yeah, which which they seems unusual a for a horror movie. Usually, it's <laughs> yeah. just like, hey, guy, one guy who died first. Yep. That one douchebag, the yep. other one. Yeah, we have that problem a lot, actually. Although I'm 100% sure that if this was a movie with actors who I knew, I would be referring to everybody by their actor names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there was uh, – what was, like, the second thing that happened to Sasha? Because the, the first, like, really bad thing that happened to her was the – like, somebody – like, the ghost had carved hello into her flesh. But then there Which was is, something else, right? It's – I, I – it's, it's great that it's just hello yeah. Yeah. instead of, like – help or get out or anything the typical ghost things well and you know Just she'd hello. been she'd been trying to start conversation with ghosts so it's even like the, like true. they finally got around it like oh wait she's not taping anymore i wanted to say hi oh okay well i know what i'll do i'll carve it in a, and and like they fucked it up too they spelled like hello with three l's at weird angles <laughs> like was i seeing that right like that that that's that, yeah there's like, a, there's extra stuff yeah. in there but yeah then she you know like Puke some blood, and then... Oh, yeah. Between those two things, I think, she was, like, complaining about something else being, like, inscribed into her flesh, or... I, I don't know. Well, they all got, um... They all got the... the oh, the wristbands. That's... Yeah, 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 that's what that was. The, the wristbands. Was kind of also, Sasha got uh, that her, was her hair lifted hell. up. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
earlier on she got her hair lifted. See that that goes. I, I'm I'm going with the idea that Sasha really is like the true b- believer because I feel like she got fucked with earliest and most as far as that goes. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that would that would pan somewhat well with uh, track somewhat well with a. Uh, with the idea that she was like so going in credulous because other people obviously have bad things happen to them, but it seems like she was much more the target for like the constant sort of poking uh, up until yeah. she get miss disappeared at the end. This is a thing I was talking about with her, uh, with my, my friends last night is that since she seems to like, she complains about how she probably has a fever and she feels ill and then she's, you know, vomiting blood. It, it almost, it, I think it would have been scarier and more powerful if she had just, just died just like yeah. died of her wounds as opposed oh, to you know yeah. miss disappearing her if you know it had just been lance waking up and you know her falling over yeah. so she just she just died <laughs> yep. from, of HP. yeah <laughs> from you know starvation <laughs> and uh so i have a theory with with uh the groundskeeper javier uh who they bribed to say there's a ghost i think he actually knew there was a ghost the whole time and he just wanted 50 bucks <laughs> and, he could, he, he, and he could read these guys he's like oh, okay yeah, I can get some money. Off it goes, no, I haven't seen it. Oh, money. Oh, okay. Maybe well, yeah. he was a ghost. Yeah. Well, I think I think he just knew the ghost. Like he'd worked there, and so the ghosts were like around. And he was like, "Hey, you know, the the one who opens the window, it's the ghost who hangs around outside." He's like, "Oh yeah, there's a ghost right over there." Yeah, because uh, maybe he's yeah. in cahoots with the ghost. He's just like, hey, "Listen, you don't eat me, and I'll send people for you to eat who will first pay me. Money. I'll feed you some white people." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> NTC, sorry. There was a oh jeez what was it okay so so okay here's the thing I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a brig a, a brig a big attempt at a completely bullshit justification of some of the odd points in the film as a, an artistic explanation just because this is something that I could believe hearing on the director's commentary from the actual filmmakers if they wanted to make the same sort of reach so there's a thing very early in the film. Uh, there's uh, the archival footage from – it says like archival footage 1939 to 1942 and they're showing scenes within the asylum and this is probably where they established uh, Dr. Friedkin doing lobotomies or, or whatever. Um, but oh, so a, they, do, they do establish where the hell that footage came from. I miss that. I, yeah, I, I don't I, – I, I, oh, I like miss the, some of the details. Oh, like the old-timey but, footage at the beginning? Yeah, yeah but yeah, they're, they're showing that. they really could have worked a little harder on that, They, they could have – one of the things they could have done, if you're willing to just take a straightforward read on it, is look up when did TVs become commercially available and figure <laughs> out that in 1939 to 1942, <laughs> there wouldn't have been a cheap TV set available to just stick in an asylum for a crazy person to be upset in front of. Like It was like <laughs> – 50s era, 50s era, but uh, but nonetheless, it was there. And so let's, you could look at that and say, okay, well, someone really fucked up just on basic, you know, his, historicity and, and continuity in their archival footage B roll. But what if it's not a mistake? What if they're intentionally putting a TV there inappropriately early to establish that TV itself? is the villain because this is a movie about <laughs> a shitty TV show and the way that ends up leading to doom for people. TV as notionally the opiate of the masses, TV as a figurative lobotomy for the mo- the TV watching public so the TV was there all along. The TV actually is the er spirit from which all the terrible things <laughs> later proceeded. That's what they're saying. It's a commentary on the nature of media and its deleterious effect on the American public over time Case closed, Your Honor. Uh, that's my take. I'm into it. I'm into I'll it. Yeah. 
And this, solved. And then, so we this solved is the you know, a perfect setup for the Grave Encounters television show that you yes, exactly, proposed. right. right. <laughs> Picturing like a Grave Encounter television show in the same like way that like with the Futurama crews before the one that the show is about just kept dying. She's like, here's your, it's like here's your official like um you know uh what do you call it Grave Encounters like ID cards and it's just a big envelope that says contents of giant ghost stomach. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have a they, they forecasted a lot of things in the film. There was a lot of Chekhov was busy, yeah, uh, in the first you know twenty minutes of this film. But one thing that they did not pay off the way I was hoping at some point uh, Lance says cut and and makes a neck slicing motion. <laughs> no one's head got cut off. You know, I really hoped that was going to pay off. But uh, I mean, I realize you could just take it as a you know cut as in you know. The way people usually the use just cut. like just like well or 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 more generally like the idea of like it would be representing you know death as a secondary read and people certainly died but yeah no no beheading I was I was I was disappointed I think um I just want to say the, the so the scene where Houston dies it's you know it starts off as like a relatively scary scene where he's um. He's in uh what do you call it? He's he you, you see him on like the night vision cam and he's sort of like you don't see any of those bright lights you usually see in the night vision cam to indicate that there's like regular light somewhere yeah. or there's shining light somewhere. So it becomes, you know, sort of clear uh that he is almost completely blind. Yeah, like, he's he literally can't see anything. In the dark. So he's like, you know, feeling for the wall and then he goes all the way into the back of the frame. Uh, because of the way the camera's set up in like a hallway, so he goes all the way back, and that's when like the 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 you know the force picks him up and then just like strangles him and then throws him around, throws him to the floor, and then like a some sort of fireball or missile like weapon blows him yeah, up. Yeah, there is a flash. Yeah, there's there's a flash that like blows him into like closer into the front of the frame, and it's so clear that they did it with like with a green screen and they just like dragged the cutout of him closer to the camera while <laughs> making him bigger. Um it was just so, so obvious and I really wish they had left it out of that and just like they blew, all the-, the, they blew the budget on the ghost face. <laughs> They did their whole uh, their whole special effects on the yeah. spooky face. But, but they actually they hired just, actual like, here ghosts. We go. Which like you know, hey, this this, this you know mysterious force choked him to death, and you know drops him down, dead body, and we cut. But they had to have like an extra explosion in yeah. it for some reason. Get a little extra jump scare in there or something. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting because I one thing I wanted to say just about static shots in general is like I felt like they didn't get as much use out of it in this film as in a couple other things. Paranormal Activity for all its problems. Um, and and the second and third film at least were interesting to watch in that series as well. Um, you know, they, they they were certainly imperfect films too, and had their own found footage film problems. But I feel like they used static shots really well. Like they really established and then used as recurring imagery these very still shots or slow pan shots in a couple of cases in the second or third film. Um, in a way that this film, like it, it, it got some use out of static shots, but they felt really, you know, there was nothing really interesting about it. Like that, that scene with Houston being strangled, I think was probably the strongest one. 
The, um, there was the, the scene where the lights fall down wasn't as strong, but that really had like a, a paranormal activity static shot vibe to it. Yeah. Where the yeah, the lights just like as they're sleeping they just have like one set of floodlights and you just like see the set of floodlights for no reason, you know, fall over and, yeah. and break and wake everybody up and scare the crap out of them. Well and I'll say one of the things I guess one of the things that I think worked really well in uh paranormal uh activity two in particular, uh that setup Jakob, did you ever see that? No, I haven't okay. seen any except the first one. Um, well, so so in Paranormal Activity two, there's more cameras because it's set instead of like in a large suburban home, um, and there's a whole family there, and so they they invest very early in the film for plot reasons in uh, a whole bevy of cameras, and so there's like seven or eight static shots throughout the house, and they tend to be like high shots into a room. And I think part of what works about those in in that movie and part of what worked so well in the original Paranormal Activity with the limited couple of cameras I had was there was always sort of a human presence and vulnerability in, in most of the static shots. Like even if someone wasn't literally on camera, there'd be a shot of, you know, a bedroom or a room right next to a bedroom. And you always had the sense that while you're watching this static shot where nothing's happening yet – it's happening right next to someone. And in, in this film, we've got a bunch of static shots all over the, the creepy asylum, but a lot of them are just sort of in the middle of nowhere. So even if something scary happens on camera, it's just happening in sort of a detached way down some hallway rather than happening right next to someone. So like the, the light falling over scene you you mentioned that, that does sort of remind me of paranormal activity in the sense that that was a, like a static shot of people sleeping like despite all the scary stuff going on they still need rest so they end up sleeping and so we get their vulnerability in the frame there and then the creepy even if it's sort of banal thing happens it's it's more effective for that than like the shot of the the window opening which was effective because like oh it's the spooky window opening by itself we're gonna pay off there but it's also just some window up on the fourth floor and no one's around. Who's this you know. ghost trying to impress? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like a, there's no connection here. So I think there's a sense of intimacy in uh, the paranormal activity films, all else aside, that, that works in favor. You know, they use static shots where it's not a human cameraman, you know, commentating on seeing something scary, but it still feels like there's a very, like, human vulnerability involved in all those shots that this sort of loses a little bit by having the big old facility and stuff strewn about, I guess. Speaking of paranormal activity, um, a thing I liked in Grave Encounters is, uh, I'm, I'm sure you, you fellows are familiar with uh, the, the problem of horror movie buzz, the uh, the spooky bass tone that oh, yeah, now accompanies that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, <clears throat> which paranormal activity used way too much and <laughs> not subtly at all. It's the, oh, wait, is something spooky going to happen? Yes. And uh, the the first time I watched this movie, I watched it just, you know, on my television. So I didn't notice that uh, they use it very sparingly in Grave Encounters. I think only like twice. Yeah. But uh, I actually watched this um, with headphones the past, uh, when I watched it two nights in a row, the past two nights. <laughs> and there's some really good sound design in, in this. They really like, if you're actually wearing headphones or if you have, you know, like surround sound or whatever, it's, they do some really good creepy stuff with with where the sound is coming from. Yeah, I had to watch this with the volume super low, and I I think I I, I assumed I would have regretted doing that, and now I regret doing that. <laughs> yeah, should, so, yeah. All, all, I, I, now, I now only consume horror things with headphones because I know people are working hard to make you 
extra scared with yeah, noises. Yeah, like and good sound guys design is really it really does add a lot when it's done well. Like it, it's surprising how much it can sort of add to the atmosphere, even if even if you're not like studiously noticing it at the time. Like just it's it's an effective part of sort of the delivery of a scene, and especially if it is something that's relying on sort of tension and slow shots and waiting, being able to do like have literally you know both nothing is happening and also something is happening on a on an RO level is a really nice way to sort of make that static shot be something more interesting even while you're sticking to the static staring at the screen waiting to figure out what's going to happen if anything uh, and I like that they they were very sparing with it because there's points where I think in another movie there definitely would have been the the buzz like the scene and I, this is a scene I just like in general um, where TC is on the phone with his girlfriend or whoever or talking to his kid and you know the the, the cameras on the floor and you oh, just the see the yeah. the wheelchair yeah. just and that's it's a nice like they 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 had restraint there and I really yeah. appreciated it yeah it was it's like doing as little as possible in the scene and it really really like worked. there was no no sting no no buzz it was just like yeah you could have missed that yeah. if you were not if you were not yeah I, I I honestly thought that they would actually like go for like the wheelchair knocks him over or something or uh you know something dumb like that but they didn't uh, it's, it's, a, it's a moment where he's establishing character and then something spooky happens it's nice let's, let's assume later when he gets pushed down the stairs he got pushed down the stairs by the wheelchair that's what i assume <laughs> happened actually it finally <laughs> it finally made it <laughs> I, I think i like uh, again with sort of like the 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 framing device of like the the credulous uh or, or not credulous the the, the, the shitty uh TV making is I love that the the old caretaker guy who let them in and sort of gave them the tour uh, could not stop looking at the camera like, like <laughs> yeah. they, 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 they do the first take and they obviously sort of stop and say okay well let's try and do this again with not fucking that up um, and I like the implied elision of some of those like coaching bits you know uh, with the <laughs> editing but anyway like once he finally he's sort of telling them stuff. He just he, he he obviously can't decide whether or not he should be looking at the camera, and so he doesn't just look at the camera and talk, but he keeps going back and forth between Lance and 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 the the camera like a fucking like pendulum on a clock. It's like boom 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 boom. And I, I thought that was adorable. I liked that character. The, those opening scenes are they they're pretty funny. Yeah, no, it's it it, it, it it's 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 surprisingly strong. Like Lance was really convincingly a shitty host. I liked that, you know. I didn't get a real strong sense of the actor overall. Like he did a good job of being scared and he did a good job of being a shitty host. Uh, but I liked, I liked that he was such a lousy host. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> there's a reason, you know, this show wasn't going to be successful if you hadn't died. But, uh, uh, but also on the, 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 the TV show framing, it's an interesting parallel. Like, like this isn't anything particularly deep, but the idea of like the TV show, where they're telling, you know, sort of fake ghost stories, but then it all comes true is actually also a pretty good parallel of like older school slasher camp murder framing. Like, like, oh, like, like where he's like the, 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 the camp counselors. The, well, you know, the, well, I'm thinking like the camp counselors sitting around telling ghost stories at the beginning of the film or something, you know, to fuck with the kids, but then it comes true and they actually get their comeuppance and, and, uh, <laughs> and so on. So it's, it's sort of like there's a little bit of like dumb horror movie framing heritage there that's kind of nice. But yes, uh, I, I wrote down in my notes at one point when we sound, found rats, the phrase, ah, rats. I felt really good about that. Yeah, it, these, uh, that, 
these guys are maybe clearly new to the poking around abandoned areas <laughs> that they're so surprised to see these rats that are obviously like adorable pet rats and not grody. Yeah, those were those were just it was it was that scene where they just like they're wondering what this noise is and they open up this door and there's like these cute little rats that there's are like two, two they, little rats. Yeah, they're they're clean. They seem to be pretty happy, and the guy's just like, oh no, just so grossed out. Like, is this, is this a Canadian thing? Do you not do you not have rats there? <laughs> it's impolite to have rats. That's the. Uh, um, no, wait, I think that is a, that I think that is a fact about Calgary that they have no rats in Calgary, but. Canada facts. <laughs> I liked that they had uh, Matt explaining like tech stuff in random interview B-roll stuff. This is the sixth episode of this television show. You think they would have all of the these are what our various devices for detecting paranormal activity <laughs> do stuff like you know in the can already. Like that's that's your interstitial stuff that you just like a uh, quick cutaway to an EVP meter. Blah 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 blah. But instead, no. Hey, uh, Matt, it just occurred to it six episodes in. Maybe you should, yeah. <laughs> maybe you should explain some of this stuff really poorly. Okay, great. I'm glad we got that. I guess I it like gave that they Matt threw in a Geiger counter. Yeah. Just like in the ghost hunting equipment. And it, it was really sort of clear that whoever bought, like, it, it, it was it Matt that, like, bought the equipment, but he's just like, this is a Geiger counter. You turn it on, and there you go. <laughs> he just, like, clearly had, like, money left over. He's just like, what else can we buy? That looks cool. As far as that goes, <laughs> I'm glad they didn't come back to that stuff because it was a pretty shitty explanation, but then it seemed like they were like, hey, yeah, we got some stuff. And then the movie, like, was like, we don't really care about this stuff. Like, Matt, we see him fiddling with a couple things at some point, but, like, there's no, oh my God, you don't. You can't believe what's coming off this EVP meter. Like the only thing they really used was the handheld tape recorder, uh, which I kind of like. She did, she did not give them a lot of a lot of time to answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, some, some pretty brisk pacing. <laughs> I can imagine the ghost being like, "What? But uh. well, if you're not going to let me talk, this interview's over. I'll, I'll find another way to talk to you, lady." <laughs> So, oh, um, all the way at the end when he's just, like, really just, like, broken down and he's uh, trying to do the EVP stuff again, stuff comes up on the thing, right? Is it just ghost noises? Or yeah, is it's kind of like ghost noises and creepy laughing and yeah. stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, I didn't get any, like, specific lines or anything out of it. No. Oh, but I will I will note, it's n- it's not in the subtitles, but when um, uh, Sasha is, is uh, pu- puking blood, it's just subtitled as sobbing, but what she is saying is, is I want my mom. Yeah, <laughs> and that, yeah. Ooh, that, uh, that little, hits me where I live. Little, little regression there. Yeah, uh, that's... There was a... Just question here. At one point, they're using, like, a black light, and they find some stuff on the wall, and they think I think they say something about, like, ectoplasm or something. Yeah. But, I mean, that was that was semen, right? That was just, like, someone jacked <laughs> off on a wall there, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's, you're, okay. in a, you're in a mental asylum. Yeah. But wait, I mean, are we talking about somebody in the asylum or somebody on the crew to generate something uh, that will actually glow after all these years hey, Matt, Matt. under the black light? <laughs> when you got a minute, we need, we need, we need to do some wall prep. Uh, Houston, in no! Who's the tallest? <laughs> <laughs> Quick, give me a boost. I, uh, Who has a cup uh, and a good arm? <laughs> at one point, they were watching some tape on tape. Like, they taped some watching of tape. I liked that. A little bit of tapeception. I don't even remember what it was. It was, like, relatively. It was when the on. door slams. It's when, when, oh, when TC goes into a room and the right, door slams. Right, right. So they, they I, tape um, watching them watch the tape of the door slamming. Yeah. I like that, like, um, at one point, Matt was just like, all right, well, I'm going to go upload this video. And everybody's just like, no, what are you doing that for? Just pack up the gear. It's like, you guys are, tr- you know, you have nothing to do here, right? Like, except explore and die. 
Yeah. Um, you probably have time to edit some video. I mean, <laughs> maybe that's what Matt did while he just like, you know, he like that scene where he like walks out of frame. It, he didn't actually get captured by the ghost. That happened much, much later. And he actually edited most of this like by himself <laughs> or Lance and everybody else wasn't there to tell him not to edit yeah. it while they are, remain trapped in the house. He's like, Fuck might, it. Well, might as well get ahead on work. Yeah. <laughs> Save myself a week. I got, I got things to do later tonight. <laughs> or, or he got captured by the ghost, got all mental patient, did it up and then sat down and some, did some editing. Cause I still like the idea. I think, I think we talked about this for paranormal activity, maybe, but the idea that maybe the way the unseen editor gets all the editing done on this stuff is that it's actually the ghosts who want to get into film. And so they use the, <laughs> powers available to them to try and set up good scenes and also to, you know, manipulate uh, human vessels to sit down and, you know, do some editing in, in Final Cut or whatever. Uh, so that's... What they the, it's really actually, want to do is direct. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you got to work your way up, you know. Uh, so maybe maybe Matt was actually literally, you know, the, the editing vessel of, of the ghosts in the asylum. Uh, His death scene was a good one. I, yeah, I, I definitely. Liked, I, like, I, I always like, like it when when ghosts, when spooky stuff just makes people kill themselves because yep. that's scary. And and it was, it was it was a nice like totally chill suicide too. Like you just get that he just teeters on over, no yelling, no no looking shaky. He's just like, nope, I'm just gonna swan dive down. And then well, you know, ghosts are making gross noises at his other friends, and the yep. camera's sideways and thump. Yep. Yeah, it was solid. Solid. I did, I did like the why would we do that? That's a terrible idea line from Sasha. Oh, the, when, well, like, when hey, let's split, like, up. let's split up. Yeah. It's like it doesn't stop anything. It never does when someone has the sense to be genres having these films. But at least she said it. At least she was like, no, that's that's legitimately the dumbest thing you could possibly suggest. I took, I took a note that I feel like I feel like the line, guys, quit fucking around, has to be the most common line <laughs> in all of horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> When they were when when they were battering open the front door so they could leave, and then it turned out they couldn't because there's just more hospital. I was I was pleased that it turned out there was a twist there with them getting the door open and finding out there's no hospital because because I was really annoyed at the scene up until that point because that cart it was clearly really lightweight. It's got no yeah, fucking yeah. mass. It's the worst battering ram. What they I set the camera what, down and there's when, a static shot of like yeah. a door sitting on its side that looked like a heavy fucking door. <laughs> And I was like, the camera, without anyone manning it, knows what you should be using to break a door down. But let's just have you come in and out of the shot with a like 20-pound cart a couple more times instead. What so, I yes. thought was going to happen in that scene when like – because it's all you know feet because uh, TC puts the camera down because he's the one slamming the door. And then he's just like, Lance, put your goddamn camera down and come here and help me. Lance is like, all right, and they both walk out of frame. What I thought was going to happen is that you would have seen like TC run by with the cart with Matt, with a Lance on top of it <laughs> just like for extra weight. <laughs> <laughs> that could have worked. Yeah. I had a thought at one point during the film, what if Ghost – is like the street name of a drug they're all on. It's like bath salts. <laughs> and none of the movie actually happened. I guess it doesn't work because the cameras would have been have to have been high as well. But, Maybe uh, they didn't have cameras. <gasps> <laughs> what if it's that thing from The Ring where you uh, psychically project your, your thoughts onto, uh, onto film? Oh, that could be. Yeah, yeah. This whole thing was actually just a really vivid imaginary uh, psychic projection onto the... The the CMOS sensors and all the digital cameras. Well, well, mega high on ghost. Yeah. <laughs> what if that is a solid that is a solid street drug name? I definitely like that. 
getting high on ghosts gives you the ability to impress your thoughts onto uh, imaging technology. Yeah, yeah. What if what if ghosts have to develop like technology on there and every time there's a new uh, <laughs> medium invented like what if digital cameras like those came along and you know everybody in the human world is like oh man this is going to really disrupt the photography and cinematography sectors and in the meantime ghosts are like ah oh, fuck how do we how do we show up on a digital sensor how, oh god fuck this is going to be a long week Oh, shit. Well, you know. you know how people say, like, you know, there used to be all these photos of UFOs until everybody got, you know, cell phone cameras and suddenly there's no more photos of UFOs. Maybe they just haven't figured out how to get on that particular kind of camera yet. Yeah, it's, it's just – it's going to take a while. Maybe those sensors are just shitty. They're like, oh, man, this is crap. <laughs> this is lousy tech. This is, this is not worth my effort. Uh, at one point in the film – so we've got a guy named Houston. We've got a film where there's definitely going to be problems. Uh, we never quite. Yeah, I wrote it. that. Yeah, someone. There's a line. Houston, what's your problem? Yeah, like TC says that. I think maybe, and that's as close as we got. It's good enough. I was happy with it. I was like, okay, we got Houston and problem within a few words of each other. But uh, but I'm a little disappointed they didn't go full Monty on that. Uh, another liked- another line I really enjoyed is when uh, after the ghost has has messed with uh, Sasha's hair when when Lance is like you know. Really demanding, you know. I think you know people aren't polite enough to these ghosts. If you just say please, maybe. And these are Canadians. Ahead. Yeah, when he's like manipulate my hair. <laughs> so much gel. This is gel in your hair to manipulate it, Lance. I really wish there was like a crimson peak like scene when that happened, where he's like manipulate my hair, and then something just like slams his head down on the floor. How about that. <laughs> I really liked. I think it was TC. Uh, but somebody – it's probably TC. Someone was really angry like at the emergency exit sign for not yeah. being true. Yeah. Like that, that, that was like the best stupid little twist is like, like you fucking sign. Like I think he hit it. Uh, I also wondered at some point if like TC was going to actually be alive and well at the end of the movie but have injured like every single limb. Like, like he hurts his leg. He, he – Hurts his shoulder. Just John McClane uh, style. Eventually, I come out of the movie half naked and like yeah. bleeding, but still kicking. Yep. But no, they did at least not kill the black guy first. Yeah, yeah. I kept. I mean, every time he wandered off to shoot B roll, I'm like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, and then they didn't. Oh wait, no, hang on. They killed oh, Houston first. That's right, because Matt doesn't actually. Because they find Matt again. Yeah. Because technically, like, Matt is the first to go, but then they give up looking for him real easily. <laughs> they really did not put a lot – like, I mean, and they sort of go back to, like, oh, yeah, and also we probably should find Matt. But, like, I mean, well, maybe, like, be- the editors were just like, eh, what's the point of putting in all this footage where they don't find him? Yeah. But, yeah, they it really did not seem like they 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 put their eggs in that basket for any particular amount of time. To be fair, I feel like I feel like it wasn't that long between when Matt disappeared and they were running around Matt, 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 uh and when they discovered the whole five and a half minute hallway phenomenon with the the door to the outside leaving leading to not the outside. So I mean they may have been like reasonably completely shocked into fucked in the headness. In a way that sort of excuses it, but it's still, yeah, it was still kind of like they wrote that dude off. Maybe uh, they just don't like Matt. Yeah, well. I mean, look at I him. Mean, he didn't think until the sixth episode to talk about the tech. <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps smoking in the office. 
I thought uh, the moldy food thing was a really nice touch. Yeah, like, it was a nice. It was a nice way to reinforce the whamminess of things. And it was being... also a big cooler with like nothing in it. <laughs> yeah, that that was kind of weird. Did like, they just... eat the rest of the sandwiches? Because yeah, they never explain. It's like the ghosts like made the sandwiches go bad, but that they eat the rest of them. <laughs> what? What? And was there was there ice in that cooler? Like, I don't it, think no. it feels no, like there was a, yeah, there was a it, it handful like of food like and no cold objects in there. Yeah. It's like huge, cooler. like like a rotted apple in yeah. this oh, yeah, giant yeah. cooler. Well, they drank all the beer and took all the ghost. So, do, Yakov, do you feel like it was the ghost made the food go bad, or was it like the just the weird nature of time was more my read on it? Even though that doesn't quite match with even their own weird. Experience I mean, I, of time. I, I think the whole thing, including the time dilation, is ghosts fucking with them. Yeah. So I mean, it's you know, it's 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 both. I guess it is both the ghost messing with them and like the time dilation because I mean that's how food goes bad. But where all those bugs came from? Yeah, is you know. Also, yeah, I wonder I, which PA was responsible. Where somebody, one of the one of the vicious brothers, was just like, "Here, <laughs> here's four sandwiches and two apples. I need you to make these go bad." <laughs> That's, and that's, 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 yeah, it's just like one. It's like, are we, and he, or maybe it's like the special effects guy. It's just like, all right, well, how long do I have? Well, it's like we need the effect by two weeks. No problem. Just stick some in shelf. Two weeks later, with like some bugs he bought at the pet store to throw on top for, you know, just the icing. I guess. I guess to restate my question, I'm going to get hyper specific. My question is: Did the ghosts? Uh, create an even more advanced temporal bu- bubble inside the cooler that caused the food to naturally m- like mold, or did the ghost just cause the food to be moldy because they thought that would be extra fucking with of of their their subjects? I think I feel like have- these are these are the same thing. Well, well I, I, I don't think I don't think the the method of ghost food rotting really matters. Well, no, I, I just like it's it's well, it doesn't matter. This is totally a distinction without a difference, to be clear. But I want to make the distinction between the ghost causing the inside of the cooler I to think, go two weeks later, or the ghost just saying, "Hey, let's make the food moldy." I mean, I think we have we 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 have proof that they can mess with time. So I I think yeah they accelerated the food in there more than the stuff outside it which was sort of like frozen in a time bubble because they were definitely like frozen oh, yeah, in time yeah because the sun never came up like time kept yeah. passing but yeah mm-hmm. I did appreciate that that um, things really start to go screwy right when it's you know according to the timestamps when it should be morning yeah yeah like it's, it's like eight in the morning and that's when things start to get real yeah. As opposed to, you know, at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't he mention, like, the witching hour or something when he's just like, you know, we're going to be locked in here for six hours right through the witching time or something. Yeah, which was, And I just I want that to be, like, some part of, like, the show's internal, like, mythos is, like, the witching time, which is when they shoot all their episodes. Or, and it's just... <laughs> I want to see the other five episodes. <laughs> seriously, seriously. Uh, I like that they found a map. I'm upset that they did not put it in their inventory because that's <laughs> clearly the move. You cannot uh, remove map from wall. That uh, that that first ghost patient they found totally facing the corner, sort of like a Blair witchy. I mean, yeah, I realize yeah. you know Blair, facing a corner is a good way to hide the distended jaw effect that you're going to spring anyway. But still, you know, it was it felt. I also feel like maybe the uh, the tongue the tongue on the ground also a little bit of a Blair witch. Uh, Call oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they found, uh, was it, it was, was it his, his inner ear? 
yeah, Josh's yeah, teeth Josh's, and tongue and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about that. Uh, never yeah, forget, yeah, never yeah. forget a disembodied tongue, man. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, you've seen one. You've seen them all. Um. Was one of the vampires a ghost vampire? I mean, a vampire ghost? One of the ghosts of vampire ghost? <laughs> You've lost me here. <laughs> Explain. Explain. The, the, the thing that was like the, 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 the vampire-y looking thing that he ran into when they were messing with the elevator and he just like stalked off by himself. Oh, uh, uh, he kind of just made like goopy, gross, eating noises. I don't think it was specifically... But there was blood. It had the coming, same. There was blood coming out of its mouth, and it had like pointy teeth, and it looked like Bat Boy. I, I didn't notice the pointy. Maybe it was teeth, just Bat Boy. But, uh, That's yeah. true. Maybe it was Bat Boy. They would. They would. You know, in the '30s or whatever, they just would have put Bat Boy in an asylum, right? I thought I, I've seen. I've seen the second second uh, series of American Horror Story. It had Bat Boy in it, probably. <laughs> yeah, that, right. it had everything else in it. Why shouldn't it have had Bat Boy? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Missed wait, the second was wait. Was the second one Asylum? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I, and I yeah, read a one, lot about it, and it sounds like much more interesting reading than watching. You know, I enjoyed. it. Oh no, but- it's a uh, yeah. I watched all of it in about two days, and uh, it's bananas. It's like, hey, do you want? Um, let's let's put everything. We're gonna have uh, ghosts and aliens and uh, yeah, it, it's, um, it's a and fun Frank sort of, and uh, it's it's, <laughs> it's not as it's not as scary. It's not as effective as horror as the first series. Like none of the ensuing seasons have been. But I, I enjoyed watching too. I thought it was a fun it's pile just, of stuff. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's just it's just every every episode is like, hey, what what new thing can we put in here that is just bananas? Yeah, very enjoyable. I haven't watched any since then. I watched a little um, bit of Coven, but. Uh, Coven, Coven was a lot more sort of steady. I, I, I didn't really enjoy it as much uh, as a story. I didn't. It didn't have as much as going on. It wasn't as Gonzo as part of it. Um, you know, so it was, it, was, it was just a little bit more restrained. Also, they really, really, really were happy to have Stevie Nicks make several guest appearances, and it like added <laughs> nothing. I mean, it was clever. And it was part of the thematic arc of it because there was a younger witch who was like, you know, a huge Stevie Nicks fan. And then she ends up meeting Stevie Wait, Nicks. Wait, did Stevie really Nicks a- make appearances as Stevie Nicks? Yes. Yes. She made appearances as Stevie Nicks, actual person who is also the white witch, even though she never does anything witchy. It's – it's it, I, I don't know I don't know what to tell people to feel about the choice <laughs> to do that in the series. But my my read on it remains that someone was a huge Stevie Nicks fan, and that's <laughs> how Coven happened. Uh, and then the one after that with the circus uh, was a little bit better at being sort of a little bit Gonzo again, but still. Have you seen uh, Carnival? Sort of slow. I have not. Oh, I was going to. I, I have seen. I have seen uh, most of it. <laughs> have you seen uh, the circus season of American Horror Story? I have not. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> We, we I wanted to here. know how similar they were, and I've seen Carnival, but I haven't seen American Horror Story uh, Circus Time. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> but I, even between the three of us, we are unable to answer yep. this question. Yep, we, can, we nope. can't put this together. Sorry. I liked at one point, I think Sasha said that she's going to never sleep again. Uh-huh. It was yeah. a nice little, and, nice little nightmare. And she was right. She was right. <laughs> Uh, she never did. I got a couple other things in my notes. I'm trying to remember if there were any other specific things I liked. Uh, at at some point late in the film, uh, Lance points out that he's running low on battery power, and I'm like, it's been it's been literally days, apparently, <laughs> via the temporal hijinks. If you're running low on battery power now, you've 
you were well, weirdly maybe... well equipped yet not well enough equipped for that to be an issue. I it think felt an like argument a... could be made that the that that like much like in well, I guess not not exactly like the story of Hanukkah, but you know the <laughs> the batteries which were only supposed to last one night mysteriously lasted you know three straight. I, I'm fully I'm fully willing to to blame slash thank ghosts for Hanukkah. <laughs> yes um for for the, the, the uh, extra battery bandits. power yeah yeah the the, the 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 nature of temporality the fact that they'd fall asleep for surprising amounts of time maybe maybe it was just like a quick set change in reality and the ghosts were like okay go go update the timestamps. like we never find out if there was actually 46 hours of footage on that camera when we saw the 46 hour timestamp. We just know that the camera had gotten to the 46-hour point. So maybe maybe there were big gaps missing where the, the ghost just like – What's his face at the beginning does say that there's 76 hours of footage. Oh, okay. Okay. But that could well, be just like over theory? with, you know, between different cameras. So yeah. who knows? Well, yeah. And if, if it was between different cameras, then that, that's yeah. not nearly enough. So, <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't want to do the math on a We should definitely carefully analyze the accuracy of the fake producer's you know, insistence at the beginning of the film. That <laughs> well, it's this isn't a movie. Yes. Right. This is right. a real but thing. What if this this is a happened. conspiracy, and that guy was a hired <gasps> actor. Expert. Could tell people. What if that guy? Yeah, he was. A, he's he's the ghost editor. He's the one who wanted to get in the movies in the first place. Uh, plus, we've established they can fuck with time, so we probably traveled back in time to uh, get this whole thing started. That's probably how it worked. Also, maybe the film's just an allegory for how shitty cable TV hosts will end up alone. <laughs> Alone, but dedicated to their jobs yes. and bleeding from the eyes. <laughs> there was a there was a hook on a chain at one point. Oh, right there was. Near the end. Yeah, was this, this asylum had a bunch of weird shit in it. Well, and that was that was that was in the like you know horrific science lab at that point. Like that was in Doctor <laughs> Arthur Friedkin's lobotomy plex, where he he found where we saw the hook on the chain. So like at that oh, point, it's already. Okay. The, the spooky me and me and Yakov are really excited about hooks on chains because like anything that we can actually tie back to Hellraiser uh, <laughs> as if there's at this late date any actual continuity to this podcast. You know, it's, it just feels good to be able to go there. Maybe this is what happens when you get the lament configuration and you get pinhead out of it. And these are just like the lingering effects. Yeah, it could be like he came, he left. But then there's like there's this weird psychic backwash. Ugh. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Not backwash, backwash. <laughs> uh, I got ectoplasm in my Pepsi. Backlash is the. <laughs> Definitely do not drink backwash, a soda backlash. after Pinhead. Uh, there's a the, the the credit music reminded me of Silent Hill. Speaking of Silent Hill, there was the, the the sort of like tinkly piano thing going on that's oddly sort of romantic and 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 sort of non. Ah, it's a scary horror movie. I, I thought that was, that was that was a nice little sort of choice there. They also have a thing in the credits where they note that no rats were eaten during the making. Yeah, of I did film. notice that. that I was did notice nice. that. That's good. I mean, they they got that fake rat real close to the camera, <laughs> where it got real clear that it was a yeah. plastic rat covered in like glycerin. Up until then, I thought maybe they were actually feeding him a rat, but uh, then I was convinced. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I think I'm out of notes on the film. Uh, you guys have any other specific things you want to call out? Uh, I'm 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 pretty covered. Good. Yeah, I think I've 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 said what I need to say. It's a it's one of my. It didn't it did not scare me really the second and third times I watched it, but the uh, you know it's hard to, it's hard to recapture the magic when it comes to yeah. to horror movies scaring you or yeah but yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, you, you can't really get back into the same 
place with it because the surprises are gone. And- yeah, there's there's occasion. There are some movies that get me every time, but you know that one. I was like, I'm, this is spooky, but it's not. It's not having me like on the verge of a panic attack like it was the first time I saw it. No, I do want to share. I, I, oh yeah. After the fir- the first time I watched that movie. To like calm down before I went to bed, I watched an episode of Futurama, and it's the one where Hermes starts replacing his body parts with cyborg body parts, and and um, Doctor Zoidberg starts building a puppet Hermes out of Hermes' discarded body parts to be his friend, and there's a point where Roberto, the crazy robot, peels off some of Hermes' skin with a vegetable peeler and i'm like holy shit this is like a creepy pasta episode of futurama this is more upsetting to me than the horror movie i just watched i was literally up until dawn because i was like this is, i can't deal with anything that's that episode i think has like one of my favorite lines of uh like the new chunk of futurama episodes when they go to the like the guy who's installing all this stuff in hermes they're like we heard you were a master of the shady art of bio robotics he's like eh, i am master of shady art of a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was a that was my weird um failed come down off of the scary movie was yeah, watching the what most did i watch because i definitely episode. needed to watch something like afterward i i watched which episode of archer it was um Oh, it was the episode of Archer with uh, Peter uh, Serafinowicz as uh, George Spelby. Spelvin? George Spelvin? The guy that, like, gets uh, Cyril to put that virus into the ISIS computers, and then there's the ninjas, and, and so on. That's an all-right episode. It, yes. I don't remember it clearly, but... Uh... Last night I was just drunk and watching uh, old Jonas Brothers interviews. So there's the real terror for you. <laughs> I this, this this is a this is a story about not being able to remember the story I wanted to tell. But I am fairly certain on one occasion years ago I watched a scary movie, and then decided to watch uh, in the same sort of vein, you know, some sort of cool down, something that was not scary at all. Uh, just try and bring myself down. And I think I ended up having a bad dream that night that incorporated the not scary thing into a scary movie aesthetic nightmare sort of thing, which was like the biggest fuck you. Like it was, you know, it's like if I watched, you know, the ring and then watched some Sesame street and then had a nightmare about like Oscar, the grouch coming up out of a you know garbage can slowly, that sort of level of, ah, fucking brain irony. But, uh, but with no details, this is kind of a shit story. So I'm just going to leave it at that pitch. You know, that's a thing that if I had a better story, you know, let's work on some details. We'll, we'll, we'll get a script together and then we'll have an actual anecdote. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 all in all, I liked it. I, this was not, this did not blow my mind as a particularly innovative found footage film or anything, but I like the things they played with. I like that they went in the whole weird space and weird time direction with it. That was a nice. That was a nice uh, sort of riff on some of the established uh, pieces of uh, of these films, and I also liked the the cable TV framing as a, a nice way to set up a different bullshitty reason to have all this in the first place. Yeah, I I would agree with all of that. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's one of my favorites. It really really gets me where I live in terms of space and time mucking around. So yeah, I'm always happy to recommend it to people. Yep. Yeah, it was. It was. It definitely enjoyable. Um, oh, do you want to tell us about your podcast, Whitney? Oh yeah, my podcast, which I'm going to record an episode of in about 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's called I Haven't Seen That, and I host it with former guest of this show, Mark Poffham, 
who, despite not liking horror movies, was on before I was. I swear to God, I listened to an episode of your show, and like one of you said you liked horror movies, and one of them said you didn't, and then later he was talking about Crimson Peak on Twitter, so I'm like, I know which one is which. <laughs> yep. Yep, um, and uh, it's it's a it's a podcast where uh, if you listen to the very first episode, it's the very first conversation I ever had with with Mark Boffham, and uh, now it's almost two years later, and we have guests on, and we you know talk talk funny things, and you know ask everybody what's something you haven't seen, and then go from there. It's, you can listen to the one Jakob was on. Yeah, it's a very fun podcast. I was on an episode where I talked about um, Polly Shore. Yeah, let's go. With <laughs> yeah, we Shore. talked a lot about Polly Shore. Yeah. Also, Wait, have, have I have you managed a, not uh, to have seen Polly Shore. Yeah. That's that's a. I have a, a a teaser for a podcast project that I'm working on. Um, it's it, we we have one episode in the can, and then one episode we're going to record. So we have you know two episodes to prime the pump with. Um, and it's just me, and then you know I'll probably give details more details about this when we actually get it out there. But it's just me and uh, three people from Metafilter that everybody likes. Excellent. Uh, and then we just have fun, and it's 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 short. It's like you know we're trying to get it to like twenty minutes, and like very very, ex- uh, what do you call it? Intensely edited for <laughs> for 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 maximum number of jokes within that time period. So get a, get a ghost to do it. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, got they some go. time on their hands. Oh.